L-A-T-I-N-X. Latinx, pronounced Latinx, refers to people of Latin American heritage. Latino is a rough synonym. So is Hispanic. It's not really used in the mainstream. A Pew Research poll from 2019 shows only 3% of Latino adults use Latinx to refer to themselves, and that 76% of Latino adults haven't even heard the term. And yet debates about its use have raged on social media for years, and now involves the LA Times. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Thursday, September 16th. Happy Mexican Independence Day. Today, we examine the term Latinx. Whom does it refer to? Who uses it? And why do people on the left and right, Latino and not, get so worked up about it? Our guests, Fidel Martinez, who writes the Latinx Files newsletter for the LA Times. We'll also hear from folks who identify as Latinx, and my fellow LA Times columnist, Jean Guerrero. She used Latinx in a tweet recently and has had to deal with the backlash ever since. Ethnic labels come and go with all minority groups in the United States, of course, with Latinos or Hispanics or Latin Americans, whatever you want to call people with roots in Latin America. The terms seem to change every decade and sometimes even year to year and definitely depends on person to person. At the LA Times, our preferred style is Latino. But when Fidel Martinez pitched the idea to write a newsletter about the Latino experience, he chose to call it the Latinx Files. Great newsletter, by the way. Sign up for it. Fidel joins us now to explain where Latinx originated and why it causes so much controversy. Fidel, welcome to The Times. Thank you for having me. First off, what do we know about the history of the word Latinx? Where did it come from? A lot of the origins of the term Latinx stem from the pole shooting in which a man went into this nightclub and targeted the LGBTQ community on what happened to be Latin night. That sort of was the watershed moment in which the term really started gaining a lot of adoption online. That was in 2016, but hasn't the word been used as far back as the early 2000s in online forums for LGBTQ Latinos? Right, absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the common misconceptions that people have is one of the biggest arguments made against it is that it's it's a an academic term by, you know, white academics, which I think it's an erasure of a portion of the Latino Latinx community that is always, you know, erased. So I, I think that's obviously like a terrible thing to do. This idea about erasure brings up a big point that has been going on in Chicano Latino Latinx circles for the past 25 years. The words themselves are gendered. And that's something that even a lot of people who speak Spanish don't understand that Spanish is a gendered language. So the idea of Latinx is to try to degenderize the language. Yeah, that's correct. I think the biggest argument that people who use the word Latinx is, is that the recognition that people exist who might not necessarily identify as male or female. And rather than to exclude, the letter X brings them into the fold. Now, I, for example, I've myself used the term Latinx, even though I myself can easily identify as Latino or Tejano because I'm from Texas, right? But I, as a straight male, you know, these words include me in them, whereas that's not the case for people who might be, you know, non-binary or who might be in transition or anyone who might not fit neatly into the binary categories of gender. And I remember previous attempts to try to fix that problem. So, for instance, in the 90s, you would say Chicana, then slash O, 
nevertheless, on that end, you still had male and female and it wasn't acknowledging non-binary folks. So the X, of course, does that. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, it hasn't really gotten mass adoption. It hasn't really been fully adopted. But I guess my argument would be, you know, language, as you all know, evolves. The way in which we as a community, uh, whether it be Hispanic, Latino or Latinx, whichever you choose to identify with. And that's I think that's the operative you know, phrase there. Like it's your decision to decide how you identify as yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. But my point being is that the conversation around how we as a community are defined and define ourselves has been ever evolving. I mean, Hispanic became a term in the 60s. And then here in the LA Times, our style is to use Latino because, you know, the great late Frank Delolmo wrote a whole thing about why he preferred Latino over Hispanic. So to me, this is just a, a natural progression of how language is evolving. We'll be back after this break. Welcome back to The Times. We're talking to Fidel Martinez. He's the author of the LA Times newsletter, The Latinx Files. Fidel, I remember the first time I heard Latinx. It was in 2016, and I was speaking at a zine fest, and a young person who identified as Latinx asked me what I thought about the term, and I told them, I've never heard of it, but if you want to call yourself that, that explains your experience. That's cool. I'll call you that as well. And I was reacting to the term as I was learning about its existence right there and then. What was your knee-jerk reaction when you first heard Latinx? I'd like to say that I was originally very open-minded about it, but as is customary for human beings, whenever you see something that might challenge the way in which your worldview is perceived, you know, there might be some apprehension towards that. But ultimately, I decided that it wasn't about me. You know, it, it had more to do with a broader community. And I think having to get used to a word that didn't necessarily emphasize me or prioritize me, it took a little bit of getting used to, but ultimately... The more people are included, I feel the better it is for us in the long run. Some segments of society quickly embrace it. College students, media organizations, even the past couple of years, politicians, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren uses it. It does start to get picked up by some people, but then you start getting louder counterarguments against Latinx from Latinos themselves. What are some of those arguments that those people make? The most common argument is, I've never heard anyone use this word. No Latino that I know uses it. Therefore, it shouldn't. It, it's not really a word. Which, I think, if you follow that line of of thought through, I do believe that people have never heard the word, and I do believe people are honest when they say that they don't know any Latinos who use the word. But that is assuming that their experience is universal to the Latinx experience, which you and I know is. Far from the truth. I mean, we contain multitudes. You and I, for example, we're both Mexican-American, but you're from California and I'm from Texas. And your family comes from Zacatecas. Mine comes from, the, you know, Monterrey and Tamaulipas area. And those little things, you know, kind of shape our experiences in, in ways that broadly differ from each other. You know, so I, I think that's definitely something that is a common fallacy. The vast majority of the people who have used the term Latinx that I have heard are people who identify as Latinx. In other words, so-called Latinos. So this idea that it's only white academics who are pushing this, it, it doesn't resonate with me. I agree with you. I mean, I, I do think is we have to understand that our experience is not the totality of all Latinos or Latinx experiences. You know, I mean, just even this conversation, I, I go back and forth between using the word Latinx and Latino because 
it's also new to me, you know, so it's, it's something that I'm still working on incorporating into my daily lexicon. But uh, another argument that I really want to address is this notion that term Latinx is, you know, imperialistic, that for some reason, you know, choosing to use the word Latinx is an imperialistic move against Spanish, which doesn't really hold any water because Spanish is an imperialistic language. It was brought over by the conquistadores and it supplanted a lot of native languages. So I, I do feel like like I understand people's aversions to it and I understand that people want to have good faith arguments and conversations about this. And I do think they should be happening. But unfortunately, the way in which the word has been adopted by a certain subset of, you know, the, the right wing to basically delegitimize or, or basically use as an attack on, on people is just there are other topics that I would rather address than to engage in bad faith arguments with people who have no interest in having this conversation with, with an open mind. It's not just the right, though. You also see people who identify as liberals, as progressives, as Chicanos, and they openly mock people who use Latinx. They openly mock the use of the term. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And one great example is, I believe, the congressman Ruben Gallegos, who went on record as saying that the reason he won his district was because he spoke to the community by not using the term Latinx. There was a recent study that also showed when asked how Latinos or Hispanics or Latinx folk chose to identify, I believe that 57% of them said that they don't care, you know? And and that's the reality. I mean, like my dad, who's a Mexican immigrant, would never use the term Latinx, and that's totally fine. But he reads the newsletter and he just doesn't care. I do think that having these conversations about how we identify is important, especially if those conversations are coming from us. You know, we are the ones who are choosing how to call it each other versus like a government, you know, institution imposing that word on us. And I do think these conversations are healthy, but I also feel like, and I can't believe I'm saying this word, but like civility is is necessary in order to have these conversations. <laughs> Understanding at the very least. You mentioned earlier multitudes, a multitude of the Latino Latinx experience. And you see it in the terms that we call ourselves. Uh, we've been uh, interchangeably using Latino and Latinx. You mentioned Hispanic earlier, which actually first started under the Ford administration in the 1970s. Before World War II, we called ourselves, let's see, Spanish speaking, Spanish Latin, Latin America. Then you have even narrower terms like Boricuas for Puerto Ricans, Chicanos for Mexican-Americans, Tejanos like yourself for Mexican-Americans from Texas. What does it say about this group, which is the largest minority of the United States now, that we keep inventing new terms to describe ourselves? I think it speaks to something that is really, you know, I think is very emblematic of the Latinx Latino community is we adapt, we change. I mean, Families move to this country and they learn to adapt. We just evolve. And, you know, going back to the conversation about how we're calling ourselves, there's another subset of discourse happening right now between Latinx and Latine, which is being proposed as another alternative. And, you know, quite frankly, I think it's great. You know, we are having these conversations and, you know, we're thinking critically about this. So I, I very much welcome it. And really quickly, Latine, as sounds exactly how it's spelled, L-A-T. I-N-E, and it's coming from South America. I read that for the first time in the Washington Post. I think it was 2019. And I looked at it, I'm like, you know what? That It's cool. It's cool to see yet another evolution. And especially this one goes against the people who say Latinx, the letter X doesn't really exist in Spanish. Well, here's the E. What's your argument now? Right, exactly. I mean, I do think that there is a concerted effort to 
find some common ground. You're obviously never going to find common ground with a group of Latinos or Latinx folk. I mean, case in point soccer. You know? <laughs> I was about to say, get a Chivas fan and a America fan, the big teams from Guadalajara, Mexico City, and they're going to start uh, yelling at each other. And, and that's if they're nice. Right, exactly. So, you know, I think healthy discourse is good, but the operative word being healthy. Fidel, thank you so much for this conversation. Oh, Gustavo, my pleasure. We'll have more after this break. And now we're going to hear from Cam Rodriguez, followed by Ana Lidia Ochoa and Angela Sanchez, who all identified with the term Latinx. I started identifying with the term Latinx, I think, around the start of college. So this is probably 2017. I have really conflicted feelings about it now. I tend to use Latine now just because I feel like it flows better in spoken Spanish. Latinx is an inclusive term that includes all of my brothers and sisters, whether they're gay, straight, lesbian, gender not conforming, male or female. And since I heard of the term through academia and other creatives within the industry, I started identifying as such. And I do feel that it makes me part of something much bigger and a larger community. As someone who is questioning my gender identity, I'm comfortable personally identifying with the word Latinx since the term itself is non-binary. Also, when I'm with a group of friends, it's a great term that doesn't define us all as Latinos, just because everyone else is female and one guy happened to join the group. Latinx is the adaptation of language. It is a tokenist to the US-based Latinx community. It is respectful of our intersex, gender fluid, and non-binary community members as well. Jean Guerrero is my columnist colleague at the LA Times. She focuses on the far right and discrimination against Latinos, or Latinx if you choose. But her use of the term recently sparked a lot of backlash on Twitter. Jean, welcome to the Times. Great to be here. So you identify as Latinx. Why? I don't have like one way that I identify. Sometimes I call myself a Latina. Sometimes I call myself Latinx. It just depends on the context. I mean, if I'm in a group of queer Latinx, like I try to be respectful and I and I use the more inclusive term. I remember the first time I heard it was with a working class queer Latinx friend of mine. I, I'd never heard it before and she was using it. And I remember my first reaction was uh, the reaction that... Uh, a lot of people have, which is like, this This sounds very weird. I've never heard this before. But when she explained to me the origins and how it's meant to be inclusive of different types of people and gender inclusive, I began to use it as well, depending on the context. And that's the thing with being Latino or Latinx or Chicano. It really depends sometimes on the, the day, whatever the day is, whoever you're hanging out with. I frankly think that's a beautiful part of who we are, that we have so many identities that we could just put on like different hats. And they're, they're still part of who we are one way or another. Yeah, I mean, my identity has always shifted depending on the context. I remember I went to a mostly Mexican-American elementary school where... I was sort of one of the lighter skinned students. And so, so many of my classmates would call me gringa and I felt sort of othered in that way. And then when I went to a mostly white private high school in La Jolla, which is predominantly white and wealthy, 
it was very much the opposite, where I felt very aware of my immigrant roots and my Latinidad. And your skin, which didn't change. It, it was still, you know, some people thought it was white. Some people thought it was dark. Right. So the tweet, again, I'll read it again. Quote, Democratic outreach to Latino voters on the California recall election is not working. I've been speaking to young Latinxes and almost none of them have any idea what is going on. You were just talking about the recent recall campaign against California Governor Gavin Newsom, which we both covered extensively. But the attention that everyone put on was on your use of the word Latinx. I mean, you became a Twitter moment. Yeah, I was just on my way to my mom's house to go hang out with my niece when I tweeted that out and quickly clarified that I meant I was referring to the Latinx who I'd been in conversations with, not all young Latinos who I'd been talking to. But yeah, it led to this avalanche. It started with these white men, these Anglo-white conservatives, people like Tim Young, a columnist at the Washington Examiner, who have large followings on Twitter, and they began to retweet me and with criticism about my use of the term Latinx. It seemed to me, just from the attention that it got, that these conservatives were just waiting for a moment to bring negative attention to my reporting because of the fact that like, I'd been getting so many new uh, white male conservative followers in recent weeks as a result of my reporting on the recall election, um, people who were very angry about that. So th those were the people who started retweeting me. And then it just turned into this avalanche where it felt like my phone was going to break. I had never received so many notifications in my life. I had to just stop paying attention to my phone for a while. Yeah, you had the press secretary for Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis. You mentioned the guy from the Washington Examiner. Why do you think the right gets so worked up about Latinx? Obviously, they were targeting you for all your hard-hitting stories, but I've seen it in other places. They're just so mocking of that term. One of the tweets sent at you was, quote, white liberals incorrectly calling Latino people Latinx to be woke is actual cultural appropriation. Yeah, no, it's it's true. They get really worked up specifically about this term. I, I spoke to a number of other journalists who told me that they'd experienced the same avalanche of hatred on Twitter in terms of trolling and hate. Also, I got a bunch of hate emails in my inbox. And I think that it, it's just related to the fact that this term is so inclusive. It's representative of the progressivism and just the human inclusivity that so terrifies white male conservatives who are trying to preserve a universe in which white men, specifically white conservative men, remain dominant and remain in power. So whenever you talk about any kind of inclusivity, whether it's racial inclusivity or, or gender inclusivity, it, it gets these conservatives really riled up. Um, Rebecca Solnit wrote this piece called The Ideology of Isolation, where she ties together xenophobia and homophobia and um, misogyny and all of these different types of bigotries that are inherent in far-right ideology. And all of them have in common like this extreme terror or extreme fear of fluid boundaries. And to me, like that's what the term Latinx embodies, like this acceptance of the fact that we don't have to have fixed categories as a group or as individuals. And we're comfortable with that notion. And that is just unacceptable to conservatives, or at least far-right conservatives who were angry about my tweet. 
homophobia. That's the bridge that I see then to the other critics of the term Latinx. It's not just white male straight conservatives. You also see a lot of Latinos, men and women, who would identify as liberal, who say, I hate the Republican Party. And they were also trashing you about the use of the term Latinx. And they've also spoken up in the past. Where do you think that anger comes from? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the big accounts that retweeted me that was largely Latino is El American, like this new publication. I don't know how new it is, but um, I've really seen them starting to gain traction in a certain sector of the Latino community where it's very, very far right. And they're terrified about communism and all of the progressive values that are embracing of multiculturalism and different kinds of gender expressions. And I think like the reason that this in some cases appeals to some Latinos is partly because of the learned white supremacy and patriarchy of our own cultures. I mean, white supremacy is not unique to the United States. I know it sounds crazy to a lot of white Americans to think that this could be a reality among Latino communities, but it's a legacy of white colonialism across Latin America. We have pigmentocracies, whether it's in Mexico or Venezuela, like all of these countries have light-skinned, often white elites at the top who discriminate and exploit darker-skinned, poorer people in their own communities. And this is often imported to the United States and finds expression in Latinos finding a commonalities with white male conservatives, even when they are proposing policies that are largely harmful to Latino, uh, black, uh, brown communities. El macho, uh, you know, uh, our parents, if they're from the rancho, if they're from rural Mexico, we all got that in ourselves one way or another. The LA Times guidebook recommends we use Latino, that reporters use Latinos, not Latinx, unless someone else uses it in a quote. But I'm seeing the word appear more and more in our in the stories of our colleagues. And even, especially in our own uh, social media accounts, a lot of the members of the LA Times Latino caucus use it. Does using it more make Latinx more acceptable or does it antagonize people who are opposed to Latinx into just hating on both the term Latinx more, but also hating on Latinos? Well, I think it does both. For example, when Chicano was being popularized during the civil rights movement, there was a lot of anger towards that term. But over time, as more and more people used it, it became more more and more acceptable. So I think that we're going to see the same thing with the term Latinx or Latinx, however you want to pronounce it. And it is at the same time going to provoke a lot of aggression and anger in circles where it's not accepted and where they don't believe in the values that it embodies. But a lot of that anger, I think, is tied to unawareness about the origins of the term and what the term is trying to do. So I think that as we use it more and we talk about where it comes from and why it can make some people feel more welcome, I think there will also be more people inclined to use it who initially have a sort of negative gut reaction to it. Like there's this idea that you can't pronounce it in Spanish, which is just crazy. And the idea that like the X makes it not Mexican. I mean, the word Mexico, Mexico has an X in it, Xochimilco and Xochil and all these words that have deep, deep, you know, Aztec, the Mexica, like all of these have very deep roots in Mexico and, and you know, in different parts of Latin America. I think that as people start to realize that and be informed of that, there will be more acceptance of the term. Jean, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you.
And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, no state lost more servicemen in the American wars in Afghanistan and Iraq than California. We hear about some of their stories. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, Marina Peña, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Ethan. Special thanks to Hiba El Orbani. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puchia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias.